Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Amen. Is anybody glad to be here today? Uh, That's like a golf clap. Is anybody glad to be here today? All right, good to see you. My name is Ronnie Coleman. I'm so excited about sharing God's Word with you today. I I want you to just be completely honest with me. How many of you would say that 2018 was a very, very difficult year? Come on, raise your hand. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. How many of you would say that that, uh, 2018 may have been the worst year of your life? Come on, raise them up real high. Well, I got good news. You want good news? I got really good news. We get to start again in a few short days. Amen? I mean, God is a God of brand new beginnings, and 2019 is upon us, and I believe it's going to be a great, great year for all of us to serve King Jesus. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Go there with me, Mark chapter 2, and I want to read to you verses 1 down through verse 12, Mark 2, 1 through 12, as I speak to you today on the subject, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Now, I've got about an hour and 45-minute sermon. I'm going to try to get in 32 and a half minutes, all right? So uh, listen fast, okay? Can you listen fast? All right, here we go. Mark chapter 2, and uh, I want to read verses 1 down through verse verse 12. You know, several years ago, God gave me um, really a life verse. Proverbs 3, 6 is my life verse, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, so often we're worried about what tomorrow brings. When God said, don't worry about tomorrow, that's my job. You worry about today. I'll take care of your tomorrow. And uh, if you don't have a life verse, that's a good, good one for you to adopt. But also I have a ministry verse, and God gave this to me more than a decade ago. It's been almost 15 years ago now, and it's Mark 2, 1 through 12. And this is Uh, my ministry passage of Scripture because I want everything that I do as a pastor, as an evangelist, as a speaker, as a leader to be funneled through Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So let's look at it together. Are you there? Say, I'm there. If you're not, I'm sure it'll be on the screen. Mark 2, 1 through 12. The Bible says, and I'm reading out a New American Standard Version of the Bible, but it says, When he had come back to Capernaum, now remember that Capernaum was Jesus' ministry headquarters, all right? He said when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer any room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing him a paralytic, a paralyzed man, carried by four men, the original Fantastic Four. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Now watch this. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. That's what 
the scribes and the Pharisees often did. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? What is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that they may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I have said to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up his pallet and went out into the, into the sight of every, in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never, watch this, we have never seen anything quite like this before. Wouldn't it be amazing to go to church on a Sunday morning and walk out and, and go to the local restaurant, wherever you might go, and have a conversation and say, wow, God, God really showed up and God really showed out today. And we saw something today that we have never, ever seen before. Wow, that's what's taking place here. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. I want to share with you this in introduction. Guys, the church, and I want you to understand, you got a really good thing going. You got a pastor that loves God. You got a pastor that loves the Word of God. You got a pastor that loves souls. And this church is rocking and rolling. And don't ever take that for granted. I, listen, I've been in hundreds and hundreds of churches, and I'm telling you, what you have is not on the norm throughout the Southern Baptist Convention or any evangelical church in America. You need to thank God every day for what God is doing here. But I thought that it would be a great idea for us, for me and for you, just to continue to challenge us to do what God has called us to do. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it seems, it seems like we have put the priority on everything but what God has said we ought to put priority on when it comes to the church. Jesus said, I have come so that you might greet and worship and have a feel-good goosebump. Is that what it says? Oh, I, I have come so that you can go to the fellowship hall and eat some meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Is that what it says? That sounds pretty good, though, doesn't it? No, he says, I have come that I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. When I got here and we parked out at the very end because we got a trailer on the back of our truck, uh, my son-in-law rode with us. We delivered it. He builds farmhouse tables, and we dropped one off in Nashville on the way. But I got out of the truck, and I looked down, and I said, wow, man, look at the houses. They are everywhere. Guys, listen, you are sitting on a gold mine, and there are people within a mile, two miles from this church that will die and go to hell unless this church steps up and continues to do what God has called you to do, and that's to reach a world for Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. Somehow, some way, the church, my church, your church, all of our churches, somehow, some way, we have failed to connect with the lost world. We failed to connect. Did you know that we are baptizing the same amount of people in the Southern Baptist Convention that we did in 1950? Did you know that we are on a 17-year, a 17-year decline in baptisms? 
All in the same time within the last 10 years, we now have 2,900 more churches than we had 10 years ago in the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're still baptizing less every single year. Guys, we've got a problem, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, not just in whatever denomination you come from, but we've got a problem in the evangelical church today. We are not getting the job done. Many churches are giving loyalty to second-rate priorities, and I'm telling you, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, Jesus said that I left the 99 and I've gone after the one. So my challenge this morning as I stand and proclaim the Word of God The challenge to me, the challenge to you, the challenge to every one of us is that we look outside of the four walls of our churches, and in 2019, we do something that we've never done before, and we expect God to do something that God has never done before, and we get out of our box, and we reach everybody that we possibly can reach. Amen? I'm going to give you a few things, and if you're a note taker, I want you to write these things down. I'm speaking on the subject, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I hashtag whatever it takes after every post on every social media that I put up because I think it's very important. And as I look through this passage, I see five things, and I want you to write these five things down. Number one, number one, as we walk through this passage of Scripture, I want you to see, number one, the power of the presence of God in worship. The power of the presence of God in worship. Look, if you will, in verse 2, what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 2, he says, And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was, worship- and he was speaking the word of God. There was not any room. Why? Jesus was in the house. Guys, I want you to hear me. People will come to a place where Jesus is. People will come to a place where Jesus is. Now, I I, want to just feel, you know, some some theological truth, all right? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Jesus is not literally walking around in this room today. You remember that Jesus in his physical body, the Bible says he ascended into heaven, but he said when the disciples were really upset, they said, oh, Jesus, don't go, don't go. He said, if I don't go, I will not be able to send my comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. So when Jesus ascended, the Spirit of God descended. Friend, the power of God is in this room The presence of God is here. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is here. He's in our hearts. But but, but I want you to think about it from a little bit different perspective. How do we experience the presence and the power of God? I think one way we do that is we we open up and we invite him to come and really make a difference in our atmosphere by prayer. One of the greatest Southern Baptist Convention pastors, and he became an evangelist, was a guy by the name of Bailey Smith. You remember Brother Bailey? Bailey Smith, man, he was a pastor out in Oklahoma before he went into evangelism, and he led the Southern Baptist Convention in baptisms every single year. His church grew numerically year after year after year after year. Every year they led the, 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 the whole country 
in baptisms. Every year they led the state in the association and, and, and all. And, ba- and finally there was a, a news person that came and interviewed Bailey Smith and said, Dr. Smith, why is it that your church is growing numerically at the rate that it is? Dr. Smith, why is it that your church reaches more people than almost anybody else and so many other churches combined? Why is it that your church reaches so many people? And he looked back at her and he said, I'll tell you why. It's not because of pastors. He said, we come and go. He said, it's not because of ministers of music or worship leaders. They come and go. He said, it's not because of deacons. They come and go. He said, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why our church is growing year after year. I'll tell you why the presence and the power of God is upon our church. I'll tell you why. Because every single Sunday morning at 7 a.m., the men of our church gather around our worship facility, and they hold hands, and they anoint that place in Holy Spirit prayer. Guys, we've gotten away from prayer. This past year, it's been our biggest year of impact. I started a church in 2014. It's called Soul Quest Church. We meet in Jackson, Tennessee, and we started in 2014. This last year was, has been our greatest year of impact. We've had about 750 people come to Christ since we started the church. We've baptized well over 300 of those and uh, this past year, we had 250-something, I think, that said yes to Jesus and no to self and no to Satan. God is doing a great work in our church, and we've had our greatest impact. But let me tell you why. It's not because of me. It's not because of our music, although we have some great music. It's not because of our creativity. We'll talk about that in a minute, although that's important. And we, we, we don't believe that church ought to be boring. Right? Church should never be boring. If we make church boring, then we, we, we're messed up. And so it's not because of our creativity. It's not because of the pastor hung from a rope from the balcony that particular Sunday or he preached out of a casket this Sunday. No, no, it's not because of that. Let me tell you why God has blessed Soul Quest Church in such a powerful way. It's because every single Sunday morning in Northside High School Gymnasium, that's where we meet, every single Sunday our prayer team gathers around and they put their hand on every single chair and every single stadium seat and they anoint that with and they say God if this person who's sitting in this chair doesn't know you today oh dear God save their soul because of prayer you know why God moves in such powerful ways in so many churches and others maybe he doesn't is because they pray for God to move in power and invite him in, the power of the presence, the power of the presence of God in our worship. And let me just say that worship is important. These guys didn't meet together in a big facility, but they did meet in a home. There's something special about corporate worship. If you're here today and you have not been real faithful in your worship, I challenge you, there's something special. People say, well, you know, I can go to church at home. Yeah, you can, I guess. Not really, but... There's something special about worshiping together. Besides, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When we come together in worship, the power of God can move. Number one, there's the power of the presence of God in worship. But number two in this passage of Scripture, I see this. There's the power of unity. Now, I love this. Look in verse 3. There's the power of unity. Man, we, we have churches that fight over every little thing under the sun today. You ever been in one of those? Anybody ever been in a real doozy Baptist business meeting where when you left, you were ashamed, you were saying, oh, Lord, please, I hope nobody lost was here? Huh? 
How many of you were the one that brought it on? Ah! All right. And they came in bringing him, him a paralytic carried by, carried by four men. There is the power of unity. When we work together, we can release the power of God. God uses people. God has always used people. We've got a movement today that says, well, it doesn't really matter what man does. Doesn't matter if he goes and wins anybody to Christ. Doesn't matter if he prays God as God knows what God's going to do. Listen, I want to remind you that all throughout the Word of God, way back in the Old Testament, all the way through the minor prophets, the major prophets and in the New Testament God has always used mankind always and God wants to use you and God wants us to work together 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 what's wrong with our churches today I'm telling you what's wrong with so many of our churches we fight over everything under the sun well it's too cold it's too hot seats not seats too hard seats too soft you know it's too dark in here I mean you know uh, uh, you know they painted the, the platform black come on man what is this a satanic church I mean come on I, I, I mean, I mean that we fight. We fight over everything. The music is too loud. It's not loud enough. It's too contemporary. I mean, come on, I, I, Amazing Grace. Come on, I want some Amazing Grace. I mean, we fight over everything under the sun. And what needs to take place is the church needs to understand we're going to be different. We're not going to agree on everything, but we better come together around. The purpose of God. And the purpose of God is that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Listen, you don't have to agree with me on every single issue, every theological minute detail. That's okay. But we better come together and believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. We better come together and believe that Jesus did not just fall asleep, but Jesus died on the cross, and three days later, he came up out of the tomb, and he's not dead, but he's alive today. Come on, church. We got to come together and believe some of the basic things, and the main thing that I want to get across is we have got to be unified in purpose. These four men, they took a cot, Something like the one I've got here. Probably not exactly. But they took a cot and they had a friend who was lost, a friend who was needed Jesus, a friend who was paralyzed and hadn't walked in I don't know how many years. And they knew that if they could get this man to Jesus, that Jesus would do what Jesus does. Guys, listen to me. I've never saved a person in my life, and neither have you, and neither has your pastor, anybody on your, we've never saved anybody in our lives. But what we can do is we can bring people to the one that can. And we got to be unified. I need four volunteers, just real quick. I need four big guys or four young guys, whatever. Just don't, don't wait. Run up here. There's one. Thank you for looking at me. Don't look down. Come here. There's one. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I need one more guy. There he is right there. Look, guys, here's what's so important. Here's what's so important. Now, this is only 250 weight limit, so I'm probably going to exceed it. If it busts, it'll just mess up the illustration. Just laugh about it, and we're going to move on, Okay. I usually bring a stretcher with me, but I ran off and I didn't get it, and so I bought this last night at Walmart, so go figure. And if it works, and I can put it back in the thing, and then when I leave here and after lunch, I'm going to bring it back. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it. So here's the deal. I need uh, one guy on this end. 
I need one guy on this end. I need one guy on this side because I'm afraid he's going to buckle. And I need one guy over on this side. And I'm going to sit right here. All right? Hold it. Hold it. All right? Now pick it up. Okay, now hold it. Am I heavy? Brother, you need some steroids or something. <laughs> so here's what's, here's, what, here's what's so cool. When you got all four guys working together, now walk around and do something. Don't just stand still. Let's make this fun, all right? So walk around a little bit. All right, don't go down because you will fall. <laughs> just walk back. And so here's what happens when you got all four guys working together. What happens? Man, we're getting something done. We're going in a direction. We're, we're, things are happening. We're getting the paralyzed guy to Jesus. Now, what happens if one guy backs off? Uh-oh. Well, we're still getting it done, but it's a little bit harder. Ain't that right? <laughs> it's a little... Back up over here. You're all in the way, man. Stand right there. What's your name, brother? Isaac. All right, Isaac. Stay right there, Isaac. All right, go, 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 go. So now, so now you got three guys, and these guys didn't think they were going to come to church today and get some exercise, but they are. And so it's, we're getting where we need to go, but it's a lot harder. But what happens now if one other guy drops out? What's your name? Kyle. Kyle? Drop out, brother. All right, keep going, guys. Keep going. All right. Now, we're still going. What's your name, brother? Ben, Ben, you are a man. (laughs) And you are? See, I got the two big guys on the end, all right? So now, so now we're still getting somewhere, but it's a little bit harder. Listen, here's what happens in the church. We got about 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. My wife says when I do this, I look like Humpty Dumpty anyway. I need to lose a little weight. So, So now we got two guys doing... Keep going. <laughs> now I want you to do something for me. When we get on the other side of the podium, I want you to let go. Okay. Slowly. Let go. Now guess what? We ain't going nowhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. He can try. Go ahead and drag me. Yeah, okay, quit. I'm not going to be able to bring it back now. You got a scratch on it. Give it up for these guys. Give it up for these guys. Guys, listen to me. Here's the deal. These four men, one got on every corner of the pallet, and they picked up the paralyzed man, and they carried him to Jesus because they knew that Jesus was the one that can fix him. Jesus was the one that could save him. Jesus was the one that can heal him. Guys, we've never healed anybody, but we can hold our corners. We can hold our corners. Man, there's some of you that are in this room right now, and I'm not preaching at you. Guys, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to come at you hard today. I'm just saying that some of you are more spectators than you are participators. God never intended the child of God to come in and sit down. God wants us to serve him by serving his church. Listen, we've got to come together in unity, and here's the power of the presence of God in worship. Here's the power of unity, verse 3, but then there's the power, and I love this one, there's the power of creativity. We've kind of forgotten this in church. You say, what do you mean? Well, look in verse 4 with me. The Bible says in verse 4, being unable to get him to the... Get him, get to him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him when they had dug an opening. They let him down in the pallet, and there he was. 
in your average, I know this is not an average church, and what I, a lot of what I'm saying maybe not even relate to you, but this is a good message of challenge, so it never could ever be this way. In your average church, in your average church, if it was standing room only and the power of God was moving and somebody says, man, I, I just got to get my friend to Jesus, I just got to get them to Jesus. I got to get them to Jesus. And they went up on the roof and they started banging out the roof in 2018. And then they, I mean, to the point where the people underneath were like getting hit by tiles and roofing and metal and wood and everything, nails and everything else. Man, I'm telling you, you know what would happen in the average Baptist church? There would be a doozy of a business meeting the next Wednesday night. There would be a called deacons meeting that night. Guys, I want to tell you, we need to get past this, and we need to do whatever it takes to get people under the sound of the gospel. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I remember one time I was preaching, preaching a meeting in some little church down in the Tennessee River. There was a little resort area called... Um, I think Buchanan Resort. Anybody ever heard of that? Buchanan Resort. I never will forget this because the lady owned the resort, her and her family, I guess, and, and she came to me and I preached a message similar to this. I said, man, guys, listen, I'm preaching a really evangelistic message tomorrow night. Do whatever, whatever you can, whatever you can, whatever you can to get people under the sound of the gospel tomorrow night because I believe with all of my heart, if we get them here, the gospel is going to be presented. The spirit of God is going to be moving. People will get saved. Get them here. Do whatever it takes. I remember that lady. The next night she showed up and she had all of her workers, I mean all of these men that worked on boats and worked in the marina, and I mean they were all here, just a whole couple of rows of them, and every one of them got saved that night. I said, what in the world did you do? She said, I gave them time off and I gave them all a $100 bill to be here. And they all got saved. It's worth that. I mean, if you got it, we got to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. we got to be creative, guys we got to be creative. These men stopped at nothing to get their friend to Jesus. I love Mark chapter six and, uh, Mark 16, 15. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way or not, but think about this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you write down notes, you need to write these things down real quick. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. Now watch this. He told us where. He said, all the world. He gave us the what? He said, preach the gospel. He gave us the who? To all creation. But he never tells us how. He never tells us how. Why? Because I believe with all of my heart, we are, and, and I was talking to your pastor about this before the service, it's really hard for us, uh, some of us old guys, but we have, not, not that you're old, but I am, but it's really hard sometimes for us. But here's the deal. He never tells us how. That's why we must braille our culture and do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. Guys, if we don't reach the next generation, the church is in big trouble. Well, I don't know about them young folks. Well, they don't know much about you either. I mean, we have got to do whatever it takes to reach people that are far from God. We've got to be creative. We can't get in a rut doing the same old things all the time. We've got to be creative. 
By the way, creativity, God invented it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. God is a creative God, amen? Ephesians 5, 1, he says to be an imitator of me. So if God's creative, then we ought to be creative. Well, I'm just not naturally creative. Well, you know, then you just got to work at it. Do something a little bit different to reach people far from God. We do a lot of things different in our church. I mean, we, we sometimes people think we're a little far out there. But we're going to do whatever it takes to get people under the sound of the gospel. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And then, and then I think Jesus modeled it. I think Jesus modeled creativity, Matthew 13 and verse 34. He spoke in parables. The Bible says he spoke from a hillside. He spoke from a boat. He spoke on be beaches. He drew in the sand. Jesus was relevant. 72% of all of his words were application words. Listen, we live in a day-to-day -day where everybody wants to be discipled, and they use that word discipleship, and they throw discipleship around, meaning in their own mind, I need to learn more stuff. Guys, discipleship is not knowing more stuff. It's practicing what you know. Nothing wrong with knowing more stuff. Man, you, listen, you can study, study 15,000 Beth Moore studies and still not be right with God. Not, I love Beth Moore. I'm not criticizing Beth Moore. I'm just saying it's not what you know. It's what you apply in your life. That's discipleship. But, but Jesus talked about application, and, and we've got to be creative in our presentation of the gospel. Power of creativity. And then number four, the power of faith. Quickly, I won't be here long. Verse 5, look what he says in verse 5. The Bible says in verse 5, Then Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic son, Sons, your, your sins are forgiven. Faith is obeying God's word. It's obeying God's word. At our church, we just plan big things. Somebody told me one time, well, big events don't work anymore. Really? They do for us. They do for us. We have big events about four a year. Easter's one of those natural big events. We have Family Fun Day, which is uh, centered around, we don't, and we don't, don't, don't misunderstand it, we don't, we don't practice, uh, uh, you know, we don't celebrate Halloween, but we take advantage of that time on the calendar when a lot of people are doing some stupid, crazy things, and we get the gospel to them. Guys, we have, we have more people that come to our church on Family Fun Day than we do on Easter. I mean, you've got to be creative, and you've got to have the power of faith. Faith is obeying God. That's all it is. And the Bible says that, that, that God looked at their faith, and so, man, it got his attention. We've got to have faith. Somebody said, uh, Pastor, we, you know, we, how are we going to afford to build a building? We're four and a half years old. We're still meeting in a high school. We met in one smaller gym. We went to three services in that gym. Then we went to Northside High School, the largest gymnasium in Jackson, Tennessee. We went from one service till just recently. We went to two services now. And, and I don't know what we're going to do uh, when we need three services. But you know what? We're going to just keep on doing what God has called us to do. And I believe because of our faith and doing what God has called us to do, what is that? To go into the, the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's continue to bless. The last thing is the power of the presence of God in worship. Number two, the power of unity, the power of creativity, the power of faith, and then last but not least, the power of God. we got to remember this. The Bible says in verse 5 and verse 11, and I'm going to close, and Jesus, seeing their faith, 
said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart. Verse 11, and he said to the, to, and, and I say to you, pick up, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. The power of God. Can one of my brothers come up here and just play something for me soft or you play something in the back soft, whatever? We do our part, and God expects us to do our part. But guys, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Once again, it's the power of God that does the work. It's not us. All we can do is get people under the the sound of the gospel. All we can do is is bring people to Jesus. We can pick up the cot, we can grab the corners, and we can bring people to Jesus, but it's all the power of God. God does what God wants to do. I've never saved anybody. You've never saved anybody. Jesus is the one that does. As the music plays softly, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and I want to read this to you. This is a passage that you know. I know you know it. And the book of Acts is amazing to me. And I don't know if you've read through the book of Acts lately, but maybe you ought to go back and read it. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Listen to this. But you will receive power. After the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you, we talked about that. It's not our power, it's His power working through us. And you shall be my witnesses. Guys, it doesn't say worshipers. I love worship. Man, I, I love to worship King Jesus. But there's a time when you got to get out of your, your holy huddle and you got to go through these doors right here and you got to go out into this world that we live in and it's then you got to witness and share your faith. But you shall receive power after the Spirit of God has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, that's our, our, our little cir- our small circle. And then Judea, that's a bigger area. Maybe it's or your county or maybe it's four counties or maybe it's uh, uh, this particular area of the state. And then he says in Samaria, I love, when he, I love that he puts Samaria in there because I don't think he's talking about a geographical location. I, I think what he's saying, he's talking about a people group. I think he's saying, listen, do you know the Samaritans were considered by the Jews as half-breeds? I mean, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Man, there were some racial uh, problems going on in the day. We understand that. We live in a, today. We understand racial conflict. And he's saying, listen, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea, but I also want you to go to Samaria. Listen to me. Listen. Are you listening, Sam? Listening. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. I thank God that I get the opportunity to pastor a multiracial church. Something special about that. It reminds me of what heaven's going to be like. Guys, we got to reach everybody, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. What are you sharing this passage for? I'll tell you why. Because the early church, this church in the book of Acts, they started with 120 people. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 people. 
They were together. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 that they added 3,000 more. The Bible tells us in Acts 2.47 they added even more. In Acts 4.4 they added 5,000 men. And most theologians believe that they were just speaking of men specifically. So if you add their wives and their kids, you can conservatively say that they averaged 20,000 more. Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, the city is full now. The church is growing the very first mega church. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, now they are beginning to multiply. And many, many theologians believe that this early church grew from somewhere 120 to, some believe, 100,000. Others believe even up to 250,000. Why? He said, well, I just don't like a big church. I have people come to our church from a larger church from time to time, and they'll say, well, Pastor Ronnie, this church down the street is just getting too big. Thought I'd try out Soul Quest. And I'll look back as godly as I possibly can and say, ma'am, I'm so glad to have you here. But as long as there is 80% of the population of our 100,000 that are lost, this church is going to be really big too one day. People that always say, I don't like a big church. Man, you need to get involved in small groups. You can make your church stay small that way. Get involved. Guys, the early church exploded. They exploded. How? Because they were willing to do, watch this. They were willing to do whatever it took to reach people far from God. Soul Quest Church, Ronnie Coleman, Sturkey Hills, you, me, all of us, are we willing to do in 2019? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach people far from God? I want to make it extremely difficult to die and go to hell from Jackson, Tennessee. How about you? Whatever you've done this past year, praise God for your past victories. But no, you never lived there. Thank God for past victories, but you can't stay there. I thank God that 250 plus people stood to their feet and said yes to Jesus in our church. But I, I can't live in past victories. I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in 2019 in my church. And I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in your church in 2019. The best is yet to come. Come on, church. The best is yet to come. 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 I don't know what's going on here. All I know is that you got a drawing out there in the foyer, and you're filling this thing up once, twice, maybe three times, maybe four times, and then some of you are going to dig deep in your pockets, and you're going to get some money out, you're going to write some checks, and you're going to build a building even bigger next door, 750 seat, and then you're going to fill it up once, and then you're going to fill it up twice, and then guess what? Back to the drawing. Thank you, whoever that was. Come on, guys. We got we got to dream big. We gotta we gotta dream big. Why? Because we serve a big God. 
And we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't just constantly, constantly keep our eyes focused on tomorrow. But what we do today is we say, God, when I leave this place today, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my friend, my mom, my dad, my daughter, my wayward son, my drug addict friend. I'm going to try to get them under the sound of the gospel right here. And I promise you this, because I know this man, he's going to preach the word of God. And when we preach the word of God, the spirit of God saves souls. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me, please. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one looking around. Some of you here and you're like, this guy is crazy. I don't even know what he's talking about. You know why? Maybe because you're not a child of God yourself. You've never been saved. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you unless it's absolutely an emergency. Don't move around. You see, the reason we have this whatever it takes mentality is because of you, friend. We love you. But more than we love you, God loves you. And God wants to save you. God wants you to have a relationship with him. If you don't know Christ today, boy, I'd love to lead you in what we call a sinner's prayer. You say, why do you call it a sinner's prayer? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are messed up. We were born that way. We are sinners by choice. We are sinners by birth. We're sinners. And so if we want to come to Christ, we must call out to him. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved today. If you've never given your life to Jesus, as the music plays softly, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you, would you be willing to say yes to him today? If you would, would you just pray this prayer with me. Don't pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. Music plays softly. Just say, dear God, pray it. Dear God, I know you love me. Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you rose again the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn my back on my sin and I turn my life to you, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I've tried everything else. I need you to fill my heart. I need you to fill my life. I need hope. I need peace. I want a relationship with you. Right now, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you come into my heart and save me right now? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going to live for you the best way I know how from this day forward. Heads are bowed now.